travel friends. Welcome to Two Broads Abroad. I'm your broad, Sydney. And I'm your broad, Danielle. We're here to tackle all of your questions for living your best life abroad. Or your worst life. Here you will find all of the answers to your questions. Based on the inspiring, authentic, and sometimes hilarious experiences of real people. Hello and welcome to Two Broads Abroad. Today is episode number four and we're going to be talking about dating. This is a hot topic because, you know, a lot of people have dating encounters abroad. And so we have an expert with us today. Her name is Jackie Blake. And we met Jackie here in the Canary Islands last year and she has brought so much joy into our lives. She has one of the best personalities, so fun, and she's never afraid to say what's on her mind. She lived in New York City for 17 years. She worked as a personal trainer, nutritionalist, and a yoga instructor. During that time, she dated everyone. She is essentially the real-life Carrie Bradshaw. To share her knowledge after her extensive dating experience, she wrote the book Dating as a Spiritual Adventure, Avoid Red Flags, Rock the Journey, and Find the One. It's half memoir, half self-help account of her extensive dating experience in New York and beyond. Jackie currently teaches English in Las Palmas de Gran Canaria in Spain. She also works as a life coach to her clients back in the USA and to all of us. (laughs) We are excited she's here with us today to give her top tips for dating abroad. Okay, Jackie, so before we dive into the dating, let's get some background information on your journey. So first of all, what led you to move abroad? Okay. Um, Well, thank you guys for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Um, What led me to move abroad? Here we go. Um, I think, I know you probably have a lot of um, English teachers on this podcast, and I think the big difference between me and them is obviously when I decided to do this, I was 39 years old. I was not coming right out of college. So a little background, I mean, as Sydney said, I was living in New York City, working really hard. I had built this great career as you know, a health coach, personal trainer, yoga instructor. I worked at you know the premier gym. I had celebrity clients. Um, I pretty much like from the outside looking in, everyone thought, I had a really great life, but on the inside, I was completely miserable. Um, I just, I had to work so much that I never really got to enjoy my life because obviously the price of living as a single person in New York City is really, really high. So to basically pay for just my bills, I really had to work like six days a week, you know, 10 to 12 hour days. Um, I was suffering from stress fatigue, adrenal fatigue. Um, I also, you know, so I had dated everyone and because I sort of look like Sarah Jessica Parker, I used to have a blog in New York City called Soulmate in the City and I talked about all my dating adventures and I had actually discontinued the blog because it started to depress me because I was sort of meeting all of these insane characters but not really having success and so... For the last three years after, uh, I should say prior to moving to Spain, I really dated like basically no one. Um, I mean, I did date some people, but it it wasn't like this open-ended, I want to say like, um, you know, very like, oh, I can't wait to see who I'm going to meet. It was like, oh, Jesus, who's this schmuck? You know, I mean, it was really like (laughs) just a continuation of like schmuck after schmuck. And I was just like, 
you know, I want to change. And I wasn't sure what had to change. Now, um, when I was 37, I knew I wanted to travel. So I quit my job, put all my stuff in storage and decided to travel Europe for three months because even though I didn't know what had to change, I knew something did. And, you know, I learned a lot about myself, as I think a lot of your listeners can relate. Traveling by yourself teaches you so much about yourself, who you are, how you relate to others, um, you know, which like which of your neuroses are really yours and which were from your environment. Um, and I think when you put yourself in a different environment, you can get like a real grasp of that. And I did. And when after those three months, when I came back to New York City, I just realized I didn't want my old life back. None of it. Um, so at that time, I didn't want to get another apartment in New York City because I was just like, I'm, I'm sort of done with this. I'm done with this rat race. But I didn't know what to do. And I traveled and I traveled like a beast. So I ran out of money. So mm-hmm. at that point, <laughs> I had to move in with my mom and go back to work. Now, what I have to tell you, but I don't want to tell you, is that my mother lived in a gated retirement community. Oh so, so here I was, essentially 37 years old, living in a gated <laughs> retirement community in New Jersey with a bunch of old Jews, because my mom were Jewish, um, and commuting into Manhattan to like, you know, do my work. And that actually, so it was like my last, my life for the past two years before leaving New York was like, half Sex in the City, half Golden Girls, you know, <laughs> which was really interesting. And there's so many stories of that time. Um, and you know what? So during that time, I had a little more space to finish my book, to do a little more traveling. I did a women's wellness workshop in Puerto Rico. Like I really got to explore my creativity. And that's what living with my mom allowed me to do and sort of get out of the rat race. And then I... Um, I started getting some signs to take a trip to Ireland. Like I just, everything that was coming up for me was like a shamrock, like, you know, something about Ireland, Dublin, this, that, like I was getting all these signs and I was like, okay, universe, I hear you. I'm going to go to Ireland. And it was Christmas of 2016 and I was staying for New Year's and long story short, I was in Galway, Ireland uh, by myself and I met this woman there who was teaching English in Mallorca. And again, like I'm a little older than most of your listeners. I was like, oh my God, that's a thing. Like Americans can teach English in Spain. And she told me about it. And I had this cockamamie idea and said, you know what? I think I'm going to apply. And I applied and lo and behold, I got the Canary Islands. And when I got it, I said to myself, okay, am I really going to give up my whole life and my career to become a part-time English teacher in the Canary Islands? Like that sounds utterly ludicrous. Like, you know, like my friends didn't even know where the Canary Islands were. They're like, you're moving to the Cayman Islands. Like they have no idea. (laughs) So, um, I basically, again, I'm real big on the universe. You know, I'm a life coach. I put it to the universe and I said, universe, if you want me to do this, I need an utterly irrefutable sign that I'm supposed to take this opportunity. And Mm -hmm. over the next week in New York city, I met five people from the Canary Islands. Gosh, that gives me chills. Yeah, I had never met anyone from the Canary Islands. Like I was in a pole dancing class and the woman sharing the pole with me was from Gran Canaria. And then the person doing my facial was from Tenerife and it just kept happening. And I was like, okay, get the sign loud and clear. Uh, P.S. told everyone I was leaving to go do this and here I am. 
Absolutely amazing. It's so amazing because you know how many people are unhappy in their lives and they're like, oh, I would, you know, they'll tell me like, oh, you're so lucky that you moved abroad. You know that, oh, that's so courageous. It's so amazing. But I'm like, you can do it too, you know? So it's amazing that at almost 40, you were just like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Like, that's so admirable because- you decided you you were like, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm going to actually change my life. Thank you. And you know what I would say to those people, because everyone was like, look at you, Jackie, you're awesome. And what I told everyone was the truth. I was like, yes, I'm excited. I'm also utterly terrified. Like I'm doing something (laughs) so freaking scary. If I fail, I'm going to look like a stupid person. Um, I'm going to have to come back to America with my tail between my legs and get a job and fix it and just admit that this whole thing failed. But you know what? I didn't fail. And here's the thing is even if you do fail, the person that judges you for taking a chance is generally a person stuck in their own shell that would never take a chance themselves. I mean, I felt like all of my friends who had lived their own dream and like taken a chance said, Jackie, go for it. It's a big deal. If it fails, just come on home. So um, I would say, number one, realize everyone's scared. If you're not scared, you're probably clinically insane. And, you know, the other thing is I also, um, I don't have kids. And I think that kids, having children are it's maybe the one really legitimate excuse, you know, um, or obviously a, a, a marriage, that's obviously a legitimate excuse. But every other excuse, be it financial, this, that, the third, I mean, maybe you are caring for a parent, I don't know. Um, something can generally be worked out. And usually the excuses are just code for fear. And for people wanting to do it, but they're scared, look, I get the fear. I I totally do. Um, You got to leap. You got to leap. It's all part of the journey. And I think here's the thing. We all think we're so important and everyone cares so much about our lives and people are sitting there judging. I mean, the truth is, if this all went to hell and I had to go back to New York, I'm sitting here like telling a story like everyone would judge me. No one cares. They're all living their own life. You know, like nobody's sitting here picking apart my life. Like no one has time. And if you do have time to pick apart someone's someone else's life, that's pretty sad. Um, so I think that there's that. I think the other thing about my story is I really wanted a partner and it wasn't working out for me in New York City. So part of this was like, you know what? maybe I could try my hand at dating somewhere else. And it's interesting. I think I've told you this story before is that before I left, a lot of people said to me like, Oh, you're going to meet someone. You're going to meet the love of your life. And I actually looked at them and I said, or not like, I I can't go into this experience demanding that I'm going to meet the love of my life. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And the truth is I said to everyone back home, you know, as expensive as New York is, I will never be able to own a home here as a single woman. Like I'll never do all these things, but I could do that in Gran Canaria. So what I am doing is I am moving to Gran Canaria as a single person to build a new life. And anything that happens beyond that happens beyond that. Now, obviously, both of you know what happened beyond that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are in the know. (laughs) Yeah. Should we discuss that now or should we put that off? I think we'll put that off okay. and ask you some more questions about your journey moving here. Like, um, Please. for example, like what has surprised you on moving here? So what surprised me? You know, I'll tell you the truth. Um, so obviously I traveled before I traveled for three months. And when I did, I realized how much 
the pace of New York City was responsible for my stress fatigue. And I realized like sort of a lot of my neuroses just came from my environment, right? So Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I'll come to Gran Canaria. It's this really laid back environment and I won't get into like my crazy head games and all of that. But I guess what surprised me the most about being in this new environment, and now I've been here for gosh, I guess about seven months, um, going on eight months, I realized what part of my neuroses were New York City and what part is just me doing my own little head games here. For example, I really did have to work like a crazy person in New York City. So I always was on the go, never really present, like on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. I still from time to time find myself doing here. And that's not Gran Canaria responsible for that. That's me doing my own little head games. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are surprised that you can bring yourself with you to your new environment. Absolutely. I think a lot of us can definitely relate to that. And it's a good it's a good way to build your self-awareness, you know, leaving yes. behind your comfort zone. You're you're forced to really be self-aware. So I think that's something that a lot of us can definitely relate to and something that surprised me as well about moving abroad. Um, another question for you. Um, you talked about, you know, when you left America, you were afraid. I mean, definitely that's natural. What has been the best part about living abroad? The best part about living abroad. I mean, can I give you the best parts? You know, there's so many. Um, Gosh, I mean, living in Gran Canaria, we have the beach three blocks from my, I have the beach three blocks from my apartment. That's the best. I think um, the best for me has been, specifically where we are in Gran Canaria, there are so many different people of so many cultures here. And because we speak English and most people in the international European community do learn at least some English, I feel like there's times we'll all go to a dinner and there's literally people from 10 countries at the table. And I'm lucky that they all speak English. And for me, the best part about living here, living abroad is getting that experience um, of sitting down, talking to people from different cultures, which also lets you know what's weird and unique about your culture that's not that way other places. For example, I think you you guys were actually present for this where we were talking to that woman from Scotland and I was telling all these stories. And for me, coming from New York, if you get divorced, if you lose a loved one or some trauma happens to you, you go for therapy. Like that's it. It's like not... (laughs) It's not discussed. Like if something traumatic happens to you, you're calling your therapist. You know, people go to parties and say, oh, well, my therapist said this. My, You know, like I was just talking about therapy as like the background of my life because that's what we do. And the woman from Scotland was like, that sounds insane. Like we don't do. And the truth is, Europeans don't do that. So you kind of have like a funny look about what's crazy about your own culture uh, being here. So I would say that's another best part. Um, The other best part is the relationship I'm in now, which we'll get into that later. But I guess for me, the worst part, um, there's two. One is petty and one is profound. The petty worst part is like Spain is just not the United States. Like the United States, everything's big, beautiful, convenient, fast, easy. You know, everything works well. You have ample electricity. I mean, but these are petty, stupid things like having a good dryer for your clothes. Like, yeah, that's a nice luxury, but it's not going to ruin your life. I feel like the profound worst thing 
um, which has been very challenging for me, is my father passed while I was here. So that was challenging because I was processing grief in a new environment. Now, I'm very lucky that I have a very close support system here of friends that were very supportive of me at that time. Um, however, I had to sort of fly home, then fly back, reacclimate. I couldn't really be with my family like during that time for more than a week. So I would say that was just an unexpected worst part that I had no control over. Yeah, that's got to be tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine. So definitely yes. I can see why that would be your profound worst that was part. the profound worst one. <laughs> yeah. Oof. All right. So Jackie, you are very interesting, but I mean, I know why people are listening. They want okay. to hear your dating advice, your top tips, your history. I mean, we're ready to hear about dating abroad. So okay. give um, us some advice. Yeah. What? We need it. Some of us <laughs> at least. <laughs> All right. Well, where should we begin, ladies? I mean, I guess you know, some people, you know, they move abroad open to the possibility of love. So yes. what would you recommend to those people that already kind of have love on their mind when they're moving abroad? Is that a good oh. thing or what do you think? Well, I think it's a good thing. I think let's be real. Everyone has some form of romance on the brain, whether it's hookups, love of your life or anything in between. Everyone's got something on the brain. Mm -hmm. um, so hookups, I mean, I'll briefly go into that's just really easy nowadays. Like just pick a dating app and swipe. Mm -hmm. So there's not really too much to say about that. If you want to hook up, sign yourself up, get some attractive pictures on there and do what is right for you. Um, if you're looking for something more substantial, um, now that's, that's a challenge, obviously. Um, so I have a few tips. Number one, I personally prefer meeting people out in the world in, or, and, and not dating apps. And for the reason, I think people really do treat dating apps like a video game with people on it. And no one really takes these things seriously. I personally have fallen in love with people in real life that I never would have given a second chance on a dating app. So I say use the dating apps as an adjunct, but not as your main attraction mode. Um, so as the main attraction mode, I would say if you're going away, there are so many meetups. Go to meetup.com. Look wherever you're going at the face groups. For example, in Gran Canaria, we have Gran Canaria Digital Nomads um, on, as a Facebook group. We have Gran Canaria Info. There's all these different groups that are really just a bunch of people who don't know anyone showing up to get together and you know meet each other. And I think that that's just a much more organic way of meeting someone. And I also think there's so much in person you can gather that you can't gather from a dating app. So I really think in-person meetups are the best, you know, apps are, like I said, the adjunct, maybe here and there. The other thing I think, if the dating apps are driving you crazy, if you're experiencing it negatively, just don't even do it. Because if it's adding negative energy to you, then you're not going to attract what you want. Like don't add something that is making you feel bad. But right. if you feel like, yeah, if it's fun and, oh, I like this app, I meet people, no big deal, it's fun, then great, do it because it's adding positive energy to you. Mm -hmm. But I would say to sort of be aware of that. Yeah, Yeah, so I agree. many people are like, oh, I hate Tinder. Like I'm not meeting anyone good on Tinder, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, then maybe like, 
then get off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Switch up your strategy. (laughs) And I have to say, I've been there. Like I've been there where I'm like, oh, like I get addicted to the swiping and I don't even care to carry on conversations with these people. It's just fun. There was one time I finally was like, okay, I downloaded Tinder. I was like, I'm going to go on one date a week, like an actual date until I find a guy I like. And that time, the first guy I started talking to, I really liked him. And within like a week, I had already deleted Tinder. So it depends like kind of what your intentions are going in and your attitude towards it. But yeah, absolutely. It's not for everyone. That's for sure. It's not for everyone. And especially if you hate it, or I'll be honest with you, and you know, I don't miss words. I got on Tinder for a minute here. And I just remember the one profile I saw that I was like, no, done. I saw <laughs> it was a profile of a Norwegian porn star. And I was like, clearly Europe is just, as, wait, is just as messed up as the United States. And I just said, no, like this is eating my soul. I refuse to do this anymore. Oh, I'd rather be single. Done. But wait, what was this? What? what was his profile like? Did it I straight mean, out say it he was, was a like, porn star? It, it, he, said he, he said, I'm a Norwegian porn star. He said, I am fucking rich. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, like, my God. Yeah, oh my God. Like, a bunch of women sitting on top of him. And I was just like, I, I, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm done. Oh, my God. <laughs> nothing against I, Norwegians. Nothing against porn stars. Nothing against Norwegian porn stars. I was just done. Okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I had a guy come up here that like he was completely naked, just holding his junk in his in his main picture. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Like, yeah, yeah, it can yeah. be it can be daunting. It can be daunting. Uh, but you know what? If you think it's funny or you think it's fun or you're you're enjoying it, I do it. You know, I mean, yeah. Um, so you have to just decide what's you know what's for you about that, right? And you know, I've actually seen um, people, you know get too wrapped up into Tinder. So you really do need to know the balance because if you're going on these dates week after week and, you know, for various reasons, they don't lead anywhere, it's going to hurt your self-confidence. Even though it's not you, probably, most definitely not you. It could be the guy. It could be, you know, the situation. You're going to take it personally after a while. So don't let it destroy your self-esteem. You know, it's an I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's an app. And I think the other thing with Tinder, I mean, let's just be real. A lot of people are on there just for sex. Yes, I know people have met their husbands and wives on there. There's always that I, case study, that sure. exception that makes people Absolutely. believe. You know? But I think you have to be very clear um, what you're on there for. I actually wrote on my profile, I'm not interested in hookups. So if you are, don't even bother. Um, mm-hmm. Because... If you're looking for something meaningful and you're showing up to a date with someone who just wants to get laid and you have a real mismatch of intentions, that's just not going to be a positive experience for anyone. Um, So I think that we need to be kind of more clear about that and not be afraid. You know, I mean, I, I've had guys say like, Hey, do you want to meet for sex? And I'm like, no, I'm not on here for that. Like be clear, be honest let it be known because otherwise when you're meeting with someone, like I said, there's a real mismatch of intentions that can be uncomfortable at times. It can be dangerous. You know, we just, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, what about, how do you recommend, like, I know something I've had problems with dating guys abroad is cultural differences. Mm. Like how do you deal with that? Because it can be difficult. Like, yes, I think it can be difficult. And I think, okay, so, For example, we are in Spain 
And we have now we have Spanish friends who have served as our cultural consultants. And I think whatever country you go to, it's extremely important to befriend people that are native to that culture. So you have someone to bounce things off of and say, you know, how would you interpret this as a Spanish person? Because obviously all three of us are from the United States. We come from a dating culture. We come from the land of rom-coms and Hollywood and, you know, mm-hmm. you complete me and like all of this, you know, this stuff. Um, so Spain is very much not like that. You know, it's not a dating culture. It's let's hang out with all of my friends and see how you get on and maybe we'll date, you know? So I think that that is important. I also think, well, like with any dating, with anyone of any culture, communication is key because you may misinterpret something that someone does and say, you know, I kind of feel like you treated me this way and he'll let you know, well, actually I feel like it's this. Um, so yeah, I, I think communication and also find out about the culture. Well, like you said, that was so helpful. It was one night you and I actually went to dinner with a bunch of people and I had just had a little issue with the Spanish guy. I was, I thought I was dating, but, um, and well, that's what, so we were at a, we were at dinner with the people from what, like multiple different countries. And they all said, some of them were saying, we don't have a word for like first date. Like we don't have, you know, in the U S it's such a big deal. Like you, we see it in movies. Oh, the first date, the first date, they're like, we don't have that. Like, and you know, in Spain, they were talking about how, um, friendship is so important. And you know, those, they have those friends for their whole lives. So friends come first, like, cause they know like relationships might come and go, but your friends like always, always, always come first. And, and extremely different than the United States. Exactly. And so it was really interesting to hear those perspectives and it definitely helped me, you know, understand a little bit. So I agree that it's important to like get to know the culture and know like, okay, like this is what I can expect. Like dates here aren't really a thing. Like it's like, Oh, let's go grab a beer. Yes. But you know, now, you that not- can also, I'll tell you, I think that can be positive and I'll tell you why. Um, my, when I first met my now boyfriend, who we will discuss later, um, I met him again. I was out in the world at this lecture that we both went to and we just started talking and we were, he said to me, Oh, do you want to go for a walk together? And basically our first date was a walk along the beach where we paused to sit on the sand and talk and get drinks. And it wasn't a planned date. It was literally just a walk that maybe cost us both like a couple bucks or actually cost him a couple bucks because he paid for our drinks. And I think that sort of low pressure, impromptu, cheap, easily leavable first date is a great idea. Um, Whereas in America, sometimes we're like, we commit to a dinner with someone we don't really know or commit to this whole thing or the guy spends a lot of money. So the woman might feel like there's obligations. I mean... I think that all of that stuff just gets really loaded. And what I like dating abroad in in the low key sense is that there really are no expectations. And it also is, you know, we're both in this new place. Let's just explore together, you know, keep the expectations low and see if we genuinely like each other outside of all this like fancy pants distractions, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And There'll be times, yeah, you go on, it might be a great first date and you think, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. And then the more you get to know him, he's no longer taking you out on these dates and you kind of, you get to see how he really is and you're like, oh, wait a second. 
Yeah, yeah da- so- Danielle, would you like to share more about that? <laughs> Since I'm now the host of this show, would you like to share more about that? Um, well, yeah, actually, I would. No, um, it's but I mean, so you, I agree. You're actually better off. Like, honestly, I wish in this scenario I'm talking about that I had gotten to know him first because I have to say he took me on three great dates and I already liked him at that point. So then when I got to see the, the real him, I already liked him and it was hard for me to, you know, to leave that. Yes. Even though when, once I saw the real him, I was like, oh, this is not the kind of guy I want to be with. Yeah. But I still had first date him in my mind, you know, who was this great, amazing. It was a 16 hour long date. Like, you know, it was amazing. Like he was That's the perfect guy. So you probably kept convincing yourself, oh, you know, this is not his true self. His true self is what he showed me those first three dates. Maybe he's in a bad mood. Maybe he had a hard week at work, right? So you kept convincing yourself and you held on to that first, you know, like Jackie has said before in conversations, the representative, you know, you held on to the representative. Well, and actually, let me properly quote that. Yeah, let's hear from you. Yeah, I quoted Chris Rock, actually, one of his stand-ups, and I quoted him in my book. And basically what he says is when you first meet someone, you're not meeting them, you're meeting their representative, okay? Because most people, I mean, this is a joke, obviously, you know, he says, you can't get me one being who you are and looking like you look and acting like you act. You have to lie to get somebody. So I think, and I happen to know the situation Danielle was in, Danielle, you met his representative. You didn't meet him. Because the representative did all these nice things and took you out, whereas the real him was not that person. So it was sad because yeah. I was holding on to it for like the potential. I was like, well, if he was this great in the beginning, like, you know, he'll go, maybe he'll go back to that or, you know, maybe I can get him to, but no, no. Yes. It, it, you, it should never be like, oh, well, maybe, like, no, if I just, I can get him to act that way again. It's like, no. Especially if it's, it was only a month or two and it was already like way downhill. It's like, no, sorry. Yeah. So be because of course the representative, everyone. <laughs> exactly. No, but that's so true. Of course you go on your first date. And, you know, I have to say, he might be there thinking the same about me. Like, you know, maybe he was saying, oh, she was so sweet and cute. And then he gets to know me. And I'm like, you know, loud and crazy. Like, who, you know, who knows? Maybe he, because you are, even like involuntarily, you act a little different. Of course, you're in your best behavior. Like even, you know, because you're a little nervous or whatever, you're, you're not yourself. And yes. and it is more comfortable to just go grab a couple of beers, you know, or whatever, it you is. know, go for a walk on the beach. Low so, pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you're right. It is kind of nice. Uh, I have a question for you, Jackie. Okay. Um, so actually, it's related to an experience I had this morning. So, you know, as foreigners, we kind of stick out abroad, which can be an advantage when it comes to dating, you know, like I have light colored hair. So, you know, I look a little bit different than the people here and I get some extra attention as do most of the foreigners here. So this morning I was riding the bus to work and a guy stopped me and was like, oh my gosh, where are you from? Can I get your phone number? And you know, I'm an average looking person. Like in the United States, you wouldn't turn your head at me, you know? But um, here- Lies, okay. lies, everyone. Sydney's a hottie. Okay. Yeah. So lies. I appreciate that. But I, I, from my history, I did not get so much attention in the United States as here. You know, it's nice. It's a compliment. I think you know what, Sydney? You here, may- though, here- Yeah, you may look like everyone in Kentucky, but- <laughs> yeah. That doesn't change the fact that you're an uber hottie. Oh, also, okay. even if even if you're hot in the U.S. and I mean, I know Jack, you've had similar experiences in New York, but like in Spain, 
the like cat calling the stairs. It's insane. Yeah. I remember when I studied abroad in Spain, I got so used to just being looked at all the time, checked out. Oh, guapa, guapa. When I went back to the US, it's like, oh my God, am I ugly? Like, why oh. is no one looking at me? It's just that like, it's so intense here. Like mm. it really, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that I know what you mean. goes back to my story this morning. It's, it's yeah. not even 8.30 in the morning. It is literally like 8 a.m., and this man is hitting on me on the bus. I am not in the mood to talk to anyone. Actually, I was mm-hmm. really angry about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's asking for my number. And he was like, oh, my God, you're American. That's awesome. And, you know, I was just like, dude, so I'm not in the mood for this. Here's my phone number. But I gave him the wrong number. Oops. Mm-hmm. And I guess, Jackie, like, what's your advice for getting rid of creepers or just people, mm. maybe you're on a date with someone and it's not going well. Like what's your exit strategy? That's a great question. That is a great question. Um, and it's taken me many years to learn and experiencing many cultures to learn, but the bottom line is the truth. Okay. So, mm-hmm. cause I, I'll be honest with you. I was cat called like you would not believe in New York city and it is the city that never sleeps. So I would be, on the train to work at 5.30 a.m., okay? Like, people trying to kick it to me. And I'm like, dude, I'm barely awake. So (laughs) I think Spain cat calling pales in comparison to New York City. So, you know, here's the thing. I think you don't have to be mean to people if they're not mean to you. Meaning, the guy this morning, you could say, well, here's the truth. I'm so flattered, but I have a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, Because you actually do have a boyfriend. I think you can also lie and say, I have a boyfriend. But the truth is, I think if someone's being creepy and you want to get rid of them, say, I'm not giving you my number because I don't want to. And you don't have to raise your voice or get nasty. It's just cut it off. Right. Cutting it off. Or I'll tell you, I mean, one of the things I learned from my friend from Trinidad Um, We were at a party and like guys were coming up to us. And you know what? All she said with guys she didn't want to dance with was, no, I'm good. Mm. That's it. Nah, I'm good. That's Mm. it. You don't have to get crazy. If you literally just put the hand up, I'm good, nothing else needs to be said. Like he'll get the point. But I think that where women, especially young women, because I did this myself, um, miss the point here is you are under no obligation to be nice, right? okay? You're only under obligation to yourself to honor your own boundaries. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be nasty. It just means you have to be straight, mm-hmm. which is I'm not interested. No, thank you. Right. No, I'm good. See, I'm, cut it. I'm from the South. I'm from Kentucky. And yeah. from the minute I was born, especially as a woman, you know, you're taught yes. always be polite, always yes. be nice. Yes. And so yes. it is something that I struggle with every day, you know, people pleasing. And, you know, Jackie, we've talked about this before. We've talked about it. People yep. pleasing is my problem. So it's definitely something I need to work on. And I think yeah. in terms of dating, you know, women, come on, like stand up for yourself. If a date is going wrong, like just don't feel bad. I agree with you, Jackie. Just be Yeah, great. I'm leaving. And I think, you know, Sydney, I think you need to realize that in Kentucky, that behavior is appropriate. Mm-hmm. But you being a woman on your own abroad, it's unsafe. And that's the difference. So true. Yeah. It's, it's appropriate in Kentucky. That's like the cultural norm. Whereas I've learned if I do that in New York, then I'm unsafe. Now, I think when you're on a date that you don't like, that's a little harder because you're already in it with this person. 
I guess my advice to young women and what I had to learn is here's the thing. Predators will bank on the fact that you have been conditioned to be nice. That's it. Predators know that you've been conditioned to be nice. They know they can put their bullshit on you. So knowing that if someone is acting in a predatory fashion that makes you uncomfortable, realize they've crossed the line and you no longer be to be nice. Again, you don't need to be like, get away from me. You're crazy. You need to be like, you know, I'm uncomfortable. I'm leaving. Yeah. And that's it. You're under no obligation to be nice. But it is sad that I can't tell you how many times I've given my number to a guy because I felt like I had to, or I've said yes to going out with someone because... You know, you feel, it's like, why, why do I feel like I owe that person anything? Like, well, so let's go into this. Tell me why. Like, why do you feel like you owe them your number? Because you're going to hurt their feelings if you don't give it to them? I think it's just uncomfortable to say no. And honestly, this is something I've gotten better at. Um, but it's still an awkward, you know, you feel uncomfortable saying no. That's what it is. And- but tell me more. Like, tell me what the uncomfortableness. Like, talk through it. Because I, I want to hear what this is about. Um, okay. So I, I don't really do this much anymore. And I think now when I do... It's if someone asks me for my number and sometimes I'll give them a fake number, which again, why don't I just say no? Or why don't I just say I have a boyfriend or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what the worst is, is when you give a wrong number and then like this happened to me this morning, the man was like, great. Like I'll send you some messages right now. And yeah. I was like, no. Well, Sydney, <laughs> let me ask you like, Sydney, why did you, yeah. Why did you feel you had to give this guy a number, even a fake number? No, I was, did you feel like you were in danger? I, I don't think I felt like I was in danger, but. I mean, I was in public and I didn't want to seem rude and I don't know. It is totally in my head, you know? And yeah. I just say, so I, I no longer will just give a guy my number if I don't want to, but I will say something like, oh, my phone's broken or, oh, I have an American number. And it's like, I always have an excuse. Why can't I just say no? Because I'm, you know, of course I can say no. I, yeah. It's just some weird I don't know what it is. It's our conditioning. Mm -hmm. We've been conditioned to be nice. We've also been conditioned as women that everyone else's feelings are our responsibility. So true. Oh my gosh. If you say that we carry it, if someone else is hurt, it's our responsibility. If we've displeased our parents, it's our responsibility. If we've displeased the teacher, if someone doesn't like us, that's not okay. We've all been brought up this way. And I think, again, as you get older, you break it. But I I would say to women, this is the most important conditioning to break, that it is okay if people don't like you. It's okay to disappoint people. And guess what? It's not being rude to put boundaries up around yourself or to just say, I'm not interested. And here's the thing. I think men and women are different in that if we hit on someone and he rejects us, We're like, oh, God, I put myself out there. I got rejected. This is horrible. Men get rejected all the time, all the time. Men know they're going to try and get with us, and about 50% of the time, they're going to get rejected, right? So it's a little different if you say no. I would also say this, and I've learned this from living in New York City. The like Good guys, here's the thing. Good guys would never do what happened to you on the bus this morning, Sydney, because good guys know they look like the creeper when they do that. The only guys that do that are the guys that do that to everyone or the guys that just don't care or the sociopaths. So do you have to feel bad about not hurting the feelings of a guy that hits on everyone, doesn't care, or is a sociopath? No. 
Because yeah. an actual good guy would never do that. And actually, the truth is, if he was a good guy and did that, and you politely said, I'm not interested, he'd move on. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. And this goes even beyond dating. Like, I had a friend point this out to me once when I, I don't know, I was complaining. I was like, oh, like I told the person I'd meet up with them for a coffee. I don't feel like it. And she's like, you know what? It's your time. Your time is valuable. Don't feel like you owe anyone anything. Right. Yeah. You know? Here's the other thing as you get older. As you get older, your energy diminishes. And because I now at 40, and you, you guys have seen me, I go to the gym, I'm super energetic, I do this, that, the third, I do not have the energy that I had in my 20s. And that's just factual, even though I take incredible care of myself. So the energy that I do have, I don't feel bad about saying no, because it's limited. When you're in your 20s, you actually physically can be everything to everyone, right? Um, but I think the other thing you have to get in touch with is when the answer in your body is no, you don't have to explain why. The answer in your body is no. And I'll tell you this story. Back in New York City, there was a guy that I met. I think it was Match.com because that's what we did back in the day. <laughs> and um, I went, oh, I went for a drink with him and seemed normal, right? Seemed like an okay guy. So decided I would do dinner with him the next time. We went to dinner and something just got weird. And he was like too into me, too quick. You know, was like, oh my God, you're so good. I'm never letting go of you. And I was like, whoa, this dude is weird. I don't know what's wrong. I just know something's wrong. So I deaded all communication, didn't respond to calls, blocked him on match, blocked the whole thing. Two weeks later, I get a call and I'll change his name. A person called me and said, hi, this is David's wife. Your number was in my husband's phone. How do you know my husband? Okay. Oh, now, oh my God. I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. So I told her, I said, look, I met your husband on match.com. So when you in your body know that something is wrong, listen to that. Listen to that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to throw out one more question. Um, okay. I just want to know, what is your advice for dealing with long distance relationships? So either you're abroad or the person you're dating is abroad. And maybe you might want to throw in your own personal experience and tell your story on this one because I know right now – you yeah. are kind of in a long distance, so. I am. So um, I'll tell everyone. So, uh, hi, my name is Jackie Blake, and I'm a cougar. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but you work it. And also, like, I would not believe you if you told me you were 40 years old because, well, guys, Jackie <laughs> looks fabulous. She looks younger She's than not. me, and I'm 23. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Oh, stop, She's stop. Uh, thank you, guys. So basically – I met my boyfriend out here. He is from England and he was doing a temporary engineering project out here. P.S. met each other, decided we were for each other. And now he's back in England working as an engineer and I'm still here. And our plan is to come together in some way, shape or form in the future. We're not really sure what that's going to look like um, because he is 24. And whereas I've sort of like, done my life and I'm starting my life over here, he's just beginning his career. So we're at kind of different points in life, but have decided that we want to be together. Now, long distance dating, I will say this. Um, a lot of people like to tell me, oh, she was a great girl, but the timing was wrong. Or, oh, he was a great guy, but I was going to Columbia and, she, you know, the someone was going to wherever. Okay. And I would like to say, I, I'd like to call bullshit on that. Because in my personal opinion, it's never the wrong timing. It's just the wrong person. 
And what I mean by that is that my boyfriend and I are willing to put in the work that it takes to do this long distance relationship and travel and think about the future and deal with, you know, whatever visa and passport issues we may have being from two different countries because we want to and it's worth it. And if someone is not doing that for you, you're either not the right person to them. If you don't want to do it for someone, maybe they're not the right person for you. Sure, maybe you're not at the right time in your life. Um, but I think, I will say, I think the positives of a long distance relationship or one that you know is going to be long distance is just that. You get very deep very quickly because there's no time for like, oh, we'll talk about you know, marriage and kids down the line. Like if you're going to be in two countries that are so far away, there's no reason to save that conversation and do long distance if that's not where you're ultimately going together. Um, and I think the other benefit is that you, because you can't always connect physically, there's a lot more emotional connection um, because it is all by phone. Now, obviously the negatives, we all know you're not living in real time. So it's like, you don't do the day-to-day -day nonsense together. You don't really get to see how someone is in their day-to-day. -day. And that can be quite a surprise when you live in the same place. But I think my main thing about long distance is if it's the right person, if everything in your body is telling you, give this person a chance, go for it. Don't talk yourself out of it because of some nonsense. If your heart is with this person, go for it. And by the same token, if your heart is not with that person and you don't want to be in a relationship, or if you're like, look, you're great, but I'm not ready for a relationship, tell the truth about it first to yourself and then to them, because there's nothing wrong with your truth. Mm -hmm. Is that if it's, if you want to make it work, you can make it work. And there's different ways. Like for some people, I know they're in long distance relationships and they don't even talk to their significant other very much. They don't even, but it's fine. Like they both trust each other. They're both living their own lives. And then when they're together, it's amazing. I know yes. I did long distance when I studied abroad and, um, we made it work by, um, we would sleep with Skype on actually, which I know sounds weird, but we both have oh my Skype God, on. So seriously, like, in the middle of the night, sometimes for me, it was the middle of the night. I'd wake up and I'd roll over and I'd see him in his, you know, he'd be there in his room and I'd be like, Hey, like, and we'd talk for a couple minutes and then I'd go back to sleep and like, you know, that's so actually like, really cute. It was so cute. Right. <laughs> like, and, and you know, there's, you can text each other, send pictures, whatever, like for, for some people, they need a lot of contact and that's fine. Other people don't. I mean, but if it's, if it's worth making it work, you can totally do it. It's really not, you know, I know when yes. you feel like you're with the right person, whether it be the right person forever, the right person at that time, it doesn't feel like a chore. It doesn't feel wrong. It feels like, Hey, this is totally worth it. Like, of course I it's agree. not, you know, totally easy all the time, but I think you also it, need to, especially when it's long, like, I think we really can take a lot more time with things when you know you're going to be in the same city with person with someone for a long amount of time when it's going to be long distance again don't be afraid to ask the hard questions nicely obviously not accusatorily but my boyfriend and I have discussed like is it hard for you not to cheat i think that's an important question mm -hmm. how do you feel about me what do you think about me these are important questions to know because if you are signing off other options to be with someone in a completely different country, the emotional connection has to keep happening and you got to know you're on the same page. You yeah. got to know. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I, I just want to talk about my experience really quick because I'm also in a long distance relationship 
And I met uh, my boyfriend five days into moving abroad. You know, I didn't, I didn't even like have a place to live yet. And I met my yes. boyfriend. And so immediately we started spending every moment together. He became my support here, my family here, like my family away from family. You know, we got so close spending every moment together. And then he left and it was really, really hard. The transition was really hard, but you know, we found a system that works for us. So I guess my thing is don't be discouraged if the first few weeks are rough because you're figuring out each other's schedules and trying to figure out what your style is for long distance. But then once Mm -hmm. you figure it out, it's still so worth it to me. I think it's worth it. And I'm so happy in this long distance relationship and we're only going to be long distance a couple more weeks. So I'm very excited for that. (laughs) Well, thank God for that. That's awesome. Thank God for that. I think, look, the bottom line is if you are ready for a relationship, I feel like in this world, from my dating experience, there are so few people that can really just be your ride or die and be present with you, accept you for who you are, stand up for your dreams and your goals as you do that for them as well. And if you found someone like that, hold on to them. Do not let that person go. Hold on to that. Um, Explore it. See where it's going because it is quite rare. Right. Yeah. This is actually a good time to segue into our advice section. Because um, today's advice is, well, the person who's soliciting the advice is a friend of mine. And it's, this is actually something we've talked about a lot is timing. Like, you know, she's saying uh, the reason why she's not seeing this guy right now, a lot of it has to do with like, well, it's not the right timing. And you were just talking about that, but okay. I'm going to read her question. All right. Okay. So she says, I was seeing this guy up until about a month ago when I kind of explosively ended things. I was pissed off because he'd blown me off a couple times. So I just ended it. But this whole past past month, I've realized how much I really like him and how much I want to be with him. And I'm afraid that I acted impulsively. Do you think it's fair of me to ask him to give me another chance? Or is it better that I stick to my initial decision? Hmm. That's a good question. So, I mean, I I would love to talk to her more in depth. So if you do know this person, tell her she can call me. But uh, yeah. And also, if you have any questions, I probably know the answer because we've talked a lot about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so so, uh, explain to me he blew her off. So there were a few times they were supposed to hang out. And then, you know, he kind of made up excuses at the last minute. What were the excuses? I don't actually know. Okay. Yeah. So a blowing off, I think is a definite red flag. I mean, I talk about red flags in my book and blowing someone off. I mean, I, I, I like to use this barometer. If a friend treated you that way, would you still be friends with that person? Mm-hmm. That's good and advice. Yeah. Like, and so I guess like the blowing off, like Danielle, if you and I had plans or Sydney, if you and I had plans and you made up something that was just like a bullshit excuse and did that a bunch of times, I wouldn't want to hang out with you anymore. You wouldn't want to hang out with me anymore um, if I did that to you. So use the friend barometer. If a friend did that to you, would you want to be friends with them? Would a friend even do that to you? So I think, you know, yeah. So she, she ended it because he, you know, the guy blew her off and she was like, I don't need this. The other question I would then ask is, okay, so now she's missing him. 
Now, this is such a great point because it brings up a really great thing that I, again, I discuss in my book. And what I would like to say is she's not missing him, first of all. She's missing her experience of him because Aww. she's not missing, yeah, some dingbat that blew her off. Like, who misses that? Nobody. What she's missing is the experience of when it was good, right? So maybe she met the representative at the beginning and it was good and she experienced him as attentive or caring or fun or whatever. So that's what she's missing, her experience of him. Now, I'd like to go even further and say she's not even missing her experience of him. She's missing her experience of herself with him. Meaning when she was with this guy, when it was good at the beginning, she again experienced herself as being attractive, as being wanted, as being loved, as being sexual, as being paid attention to. And that's what she misses. Now, because that experience was her experience of herself, he does not own that experience. She does. So she can experience herself with like that, again, being loved, sexual, being like, you know, adored, someone think you're attractive. She can experience that with someone else. It doesn't have to be with this man. So my advice to her would honestly be to start dating other people. Now, that's number one, because if he blew her off, he's probably not ready to give her what she wants. Um, so again, let yourself experience yourself that way with other people. Now, if you do think that there is something still there, um, what's worked for me many times is giving your perception of this to the universe. Because here's the thing, the universe, and we'll get a little metaphysical, is pure love. So when you can give to the universe and say, universe or God, whatever you believe in, help me heal my perceptions about this person. You will either hear, oh, actually he's dating someone else, which will release you. Or he'll call you and say, you know what? I'm really sorry I blew you off. I'm going through this major issue right now and I didn't know how to behave. When you give this to the universe and say, help me heal my perceptions, that's when a miracle can happen that helps you then see this differently and either move back into relationship with that person or completely let go. So that's my advice. Wow. Solid advice. And yeah, knowing the situation, um, I agree. And yeah, I think that she's better off yeah, she is. and I think it's, I'll tell you something, it was a powerful realization for me and for many women to realize you don't even miss him. You miss your experience of yourself. Like that's so empowering because I, yeah, like I can experience myself as attractive, loved, cared about and touched with someone else. This other human being does not own that experience of me. That's how you empower yourself. Mm, wow. Yeah. And you know what? I'll go through that sometimes where I think like I miss an ex, but and, and then when I stop and really think about it, I'm like, no, I don't. But you're right. I miss like <laughs> when I stop. I miss- <laughs> <them>. <laughs> yeah. When I right. stop, I'm like, wait a second. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like, it's because it's because I miss that stuff. I miss being treated like a princess. You know, I miss yes. like I don't know, whatever. Yeah, you're totally right on that. So mm-hmm. yes, you miss your experience of him and your experience of yourself. But again, we don't miss like the lame-o behavior. You know, because right. when you say when you say, I miss him, him means the totality of him. So unless you're telling me I miss being blown off, you don't miss him. I'm glad I'm listening to this again because we need to tell ourselves this more often when we think we miss things. It's like, no, we miss the way we felt yes. you know, in those situations with those people, whatever. Like, 
just find a, find a new situation to put yourself in to make yourself feel that way. Don't, you know, revert yes. back like, oh, well, I'm going to date that guy again because, it, you know. Yeah. Yes. Jackie, a I lot mean, of what you're saying, yeah. I think, can resonate with all of the listeners, all of us. And, you. you know, in even if we're not all in these exact situations, you know, we can still take this advice and apply it to whatever situation we're in, you know? Like, the ma- yes. I think your main mantra is just, like, be you. And, and, you know, what is your main mantra, Jackie? Just tell me. Ah, that's good. You know, I think my main mantra with regard to this topic and what we're talking about is be your weird self. And what do I mean by that? I mean, again, this is considering, I'm assuming people are looking for meaningful relationships or at least meaningful interactions. The things that are unique and weird about you that you have the courage to make vulnerable to another person is what will make them fall for you. It's not hiding yourself. It's not being perfectly pretty that's going to make someone fall for you. It is literally having the courage and the vulnerability to be your weird self. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Love that. I would like to underline, highlight, and bold that. That is great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So quick, would you rather for you, Jack? Okay. Um, <laughs> would you rather be with someone who shows you only half the affection that you want, or would you rather be alone? Ugh, be alone. And I'll tell you a story about this, actually. Um, I Before I met my boyfriend, there was someone that I had a sexual relationship with in London who came to visit me in New York. I went to visit him in London, and then he came to visit me in Gran Canaria. And you know, the sex is good, but he's emotionally unavailable. And so I, you know, we had a good weekend and I made the best of it. But once I left, I think I said to you, Sydney, and I definitely said to my roommates, I will never do this again. I would rather be alone than do these half-assed situations. I will never do this again. I was single for four days and then I met my boyfriend. Wow. You know, it's funny when in in that situation, like if you had asked me a few months ago, I would say, I'd rather be, you know, I'll take someone who will give me half the affection. It's better than nothing. But after being in that situation recently, Mm. I can tell you it causes you more of just like stress and honestly heartbreak when you're with that person and you're just like, why are you holding back? Like it hurts. And you're so right. Yeah. So it's true. I would rather be alone. I'm not wasting my energy on someone who's just not giving me what I'm looking for, I guess. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I agree with well, that. Well, I would say I my experience of that situation is you were giving him all of yourself and he was giving you half of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, it's like he, he gave me all of it and then took it all back, you know? It was like, yeah. In so, the beginning, he gave yeah. you the representative. Yeah. <laughs> the damn representative. All right. Well, Jackie, thank you so much. Can you tell us, like, how our listeners can, one, contact you and, two, find your book? Yes. Uh, and, and thank you so much for having me, you guys. Um, so you can all find me on my website, JackieBlake.com, just my name. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as Jackie Blake or on Instagram as JacksonTour. That's J-A-X dot on dot tour. Um, you can also find me on YouTube as Jacqueline Blake. I had to use my government name for that one. <laughs> and You can find my book on either Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com if you just search either my name or Dating as a Spiritual Adventure. All right. So that's wrapping up today's episode. And if you want to follow Sydney or I on social media, my Instagram is at 
Danielle Maria, two A's on the Danielle. Okay. And Sydney. My Instagram is, wait for it, at Yoho, mm. the island life's for me. Okay. So <laughs> it's Yoho, Y O H O, the island life with L I F E S. Number four, the island life's for me because, hey, I live in the Canary Islands. So hmm. anyway. All right. <laughs> We'll see you next time then, or we won't see you, but we'll, <laughs> you can listen to us <laughs> next week. <laughs> All right. And we hope you do. Yes, we hope you do. It's been real. Goodbye, Goodbye. world. Goodbye. <laughs>